Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Well, do you have a lifelong friend? Somebody that you have known for decades? Maybe someone that you have kind of done life with since college or maybe high school. Any, any uh, high school sweethearts in the room? Just Dwayne? That's most shocking of all. <laughs> Congratulations, I guess. Uh, what about elementary school? Anybody still friends with someone that they met in elementary school? A few hands. Awesome. That is so good because that is such a gift to be walking in life, in friendship with people that care for you, that value you for such a long time. I have a friend like that as well. Would you like to hear that story? All right, well, uh, I first met him when I was probably 12 years old. His name is Ben, and uh, we met at youth group at the church where I grew up, and we did all sorts of things together. We, of course, did Bible studies together. We did fun youth events together. We went snowboarding at Frostfire together, Holiday Mountain. We even went to youth conferences out in Edmonton a number of times while we were in youth together. One really unique thing about my friend Ben is that he was actually one of the youth leaders. And so he was about six years older than me. And he had his own car, so uh, we would drive around and have lots of fun in the city. And uh, not just me, of course, other guys came along as well. We would have sleepovers on his trampoline and get up in the middle of the night and do a whole loaf of bread of grilled cheese sandwiches, fun stuff like that. But he was such a gift to me in my teen years, and um, he was so uh, important to me as well. And I knew that he was my friend. That's easy enough to understand uh, for myself, right? Like, uh, that's simple enough from our perspective. But I also knew that I was his friend. And not just because of the fun things that we were doing, which were many uh, and uh, just uh, tons of fun that we did, but I also knew that I was his friend because of the challenging times, the difficult times that we walked to, through together. When I was 13 years old, my father was very sick with cancer. He was in the palliative care ward. And after a number of nights, my mom staying there doing the, kind of the night watch with him, uh, it was time for some of us kids. I have three siblings. It was time for us four kids to take a turn as well. As a 13-year-old, of course, I couldn't do that just on my own. And Ben was the one who volunteered to stay with me overnight at my dad's bedside. I knew that I was his friend, of course. And the weird thing was that when I was 15, of course, he's six years older than me, and he decided that it was time for him to leave the country. It's time for him. He's joining up with a discipleship program, going to India. He was going to be digging into God's word, God's purpose for his life. Wonderful things for him. And I remember it was after church on a Sunday. He uh, told me that he was leaving. And I kind of felt a bit of heartbreak at that moment. My dear friend 
was leaving the country, and I had no idea when I'd see him again, when we would reconnect. And even to this day, he's still overseas doing missions work. But I see him every so often, every few years, and reconnect. I know that he's my friend, but almost more importantly, I know that I'm his friend. You see, we are all created for friendship. Even back when God was creating everything, you know, he said, the sun and the stars, the moon, they are good. The earth is good. The the plants are good. Even the animals are good. But then he created Adam. And oddly enough, he said, this is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. And God created Eve in his incredible wisdom. Not just for multiplication of the human race, but for friendship, for connection, for companionship. It's so important to all of us. And it doesn't really matter about your personality, right? Because we've heard talk about extroverts and introverts, and extroverts seem to be the ones that host all the parties and have all the friends, and introverts, now I would classify myself as an introvert as well, we kind of, um, we find energy and alone time. But sometimes people go to the extreme and like, well, introverts are just loners. They like to be alone. That's not entirely true at all. We all crave friendship. No matter what our personality is, our character, friendship is something that we crave. About a decade or so ago, a movie came out called The Aviator. And there's a picture here. Uh, It starred Leonardo DiCaprio as Howard Hughes. And that film is based on a real-life story, a real gentleman named Howard Hughes, who lived uh, in the early 1900s up until about 1970. Now, when Mr. Hughes was a young man, tragically, both of his parents passed away. And when he was 18 years old, he inherited uh, a large company and became a millionaire instantly. And throughout his entire life, he used that money not only to invest in that original company, but uh, get into the aviation industry, the film industry, and a number of other uh, places as well. By the end of his life, which is around 1970, it's estimated that his value is about $11 billion, a huge fortune that he had. Now, sadly, he wasn't the type of person that had a lot of friends. In fact, at the end of his life, uh, while he was taking his last breaths, the only people around him were his colleagues, his employees. And sadly enough, it's likely they were there more for the paycheck than the friendship, right? So he recognized that there was something missing in his life. And towards the end of his time on earth, he said this, I'd give it all for one good friend. This is a guy that's worth $11 billion, and he said he would give it all for one good friend. So at least we know for sure a good friend is about $11 billion worth, right? (laughs) Far more than that. Far more. So, so valuable to have a good, good friend. But not only were we designed for friendship with each other and to dwell in companionship with uh, other humanity, other humans, right? But most importantly, 
We were designed for a relationship, for even friendship with our creator, God Almighty. He created us and he designed us similar to himself. And he's existed in relationship in the Trinity for all of time. And he put a piece of that into us as well. That we would crave relationship, crave friendship, crave to know and to be known. We are most fulfilled in a thriving friendship with God. If we aren't pursuing a deeper relationship with Jesus, we are going to miss out on the most impactful, fulfilling relationship that there ever is possible to have in the universe, literally. Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Timothy chapter 6.21. Some of these people have missed the most important thing in life. They don't know God. The main theme for this morning is nothing is more important than being a friend of God. There's nothing more important. Not all the money in the world. Not all the fun and excitement. Not all the entertainment. Not even the greatest human relationships. There's nothing more important than being a friend of God. And you know what's so exciting about this nugget? We don't have to work at being a friend of God. Because he's already called you his friend. He's already called me his friend. We don't have to work at it. We don't have to earn it. He's called you his friend. And we find that in John chapter 15, verse 15, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, not alike, unlike you in this room. He said, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus has already called you his friends. He loves you already. He values you. He cherishes you. He cares for you. He's called you his friend. What an amazing truth. Now here's a question for you. Does God value us because of what we do or because of who we are? Does God value you because of what you do or because of who you are? Let's dig into that a little bit. In John 15, 15, which we just read, Jesus highlights two types of relationships, a servant on one hand and a friend on the other. A servant is all about a relationship with someone that is in higher authority than you are. Of course, you're all thinking of your boss. You're all thinking of maybe someone at work that you either like or dislike. But in some way, you have a, a servitude towards that person. Sometimes, it's the type of relationship where there's a bondage. Or maybe in our modern context, a contract. Where you do such and such, and they will pay you this and that. A servant is one that's focused on completing assignments, doing the job, and performing well. You know why it's so rare for bosses and employees to be friends outside of work? Well, exactly for this reason. 
because that relationship is solely based on uh, accomplishment and the achievement of tasks. Have any of you seen the show The Office? Don't be ashamed. Put your hands up. Okay. You know what? I, I found that in 2020, during all the lockdown season, uh, The Office was the number one watched show over all platforms of all time. You know what, how many minutes that was? 57 billion minutes. Some people watched an episode or two. Some watched a, uh, a season or two. Some people watched the entire series multiple times. I won't tell you which one I am. But people love the show. And it's so quirky and odd and entertaining, clearly. And the main character is the boss, Michael Scott. And his goal in life, beyond anything else, is to find a friend and to make friends with his employees. He's the boss, and his goal is to make employees, or sorry, make friends with his employees. So check out this first picture. That mug, world's best boss. That would be amazing if if an employee gave that to you, wouldn't it? Well, he bought it for himself. (laughs) True story about a fake show. But, you know, look at this next next picture. Would I rather be feared or loved? Both. I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. See, the comedy works because we all know that bosses are not friends with their employees. Servants are not friends with their masters. That's why it works. But that is not how Jesus thinks of you. The number one way that Jesus wants to relate to you is in friendship. And he has said just that. I have called you friends. No longer are you a servant. There's nothing more important than being a friend of God. He knows you and he wants to be known by you. See, a friend is one who associates with another out of familiarity, out of companionship, out of mutual care and respect. This word that is used in John 15 that, we, that is friend, in other places is more described as like a best man at a wedding, a close friend, a dear friend. And if there's anything that I know about best men is traditionally they're given that role based on their relationship, their friendship with the groom. Same for a maid of honor, right? Traditionally, the bride will select a woman that is her closest friend for that role of maid of honor. And they get that role because of their relationship. But then if you look at what's happening on the wedding day and maybe even the few weeks ahead, the best man and the maid of honor are accomplishing all sorts of stuff. And that can be confusing because are they being obedient because they're a servant? No. They are a friend. And out of their friendship, they are glad to do these things for their friend. I was recently at a wedding where the bride had four attendants and each one had a different part of the maid of honor role. One was holding the flowers uh, the bride's flowers while the bride was saying her vows. One, uh, one bridesmaid was signing the license. One was giving the speech at the, the toast to the bride. And one was sort of the, the do it all. Whatever needs to be done at that moment, she is the one to do it. So we 
are friends of God. A friend is one who obtains favor by who or who he or she is. In the pet world, you might see it look like this. To Barfy, we're his friends. To Kitty Cat, we're her servants. Any dog people? Ah, oh, you're such a nice friend. Any cat people? Okay, maybe servants a bit. Oh well, we got work to do. So, we know that a servant is valued by what they do. But a friend is valued by who they are. And that's exactly uh, what Paul is saying in Philippians 3, verse 6 through 8. He says this, And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So he was a servant. He was obedient. He knew how to achieve things through the law. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Clearly, being a friend of Jesus is not established on accomplishments or even obedience. That can be a huge shock to us, right? Because we're so used to thinking about doing the kingdom's work, doing things here in the church to serve the people around you and to serve God. But it's the order that we get those two going that is so, so important. See, listening to worship music, if we're doing it just because it might be the right thing to do, that's not exactly the best. It's not about praying religiously. Being a friend of God is not about reading the Bible just to check it off the list. All these things are good and worthy disciplines, but they need to flow out of a friendship and a delight in God. See, accomplishing tasks don't build friendship. Obedience confirms that friendship. Just like the best man just like the maid of honor, your obedience ought to confirm the friendship that you have with Jesus and that you know he has with you. There's a, a preacher and a teacher named Graham Cook. And he put it this way. God doesn't want us to do anything out of discipline, forcing ourselves into obedience but out of delight, because that is how God works. Discipline comes after and out of delight. So, of course, we worship God often because he is so worthy of being worshipped. He is amazing. And, of course, we pray regularly because he is the almighty, all-powerful God that can do things beyond our imagination, beyond even things that we dream up and think of. And of course, we read the Bible because we value his wisdom, his guidance, and his person so intimately. We do it because we know God. We do it because we love God and we delight in our friendship with him. Because we know not only is he our friend, we 
are his friend. So friendship is not based on obedience, but on who Jesus has declared you to already be, his friends. You are a friend of Jesus Christ. You are redeemed. You are anointed. You are beloved. You are chosen friend of Jesus Christ. So if we're supposed to delight in the Lord, how do we do that? Or maybe putting it another way, how do we increase our enjoyment of that friendship with Jesus that we're supposed to have? You know, there's, uh, when I first started dating my wife, we were both in college, and I had told myself that I was not going to date anyone during college. And I almost made it. So close. Four years of college, and we started dating with one month left. And as we were dating in that one month, we knew graduation was coming up, and uh, she would be going back home a thousand miles away. She, she's an American. Yes. From Michigan, even better. And she was going there. We knew we'd be separated by thousands of miles. And so we committed to continuing that relationship, but it would look differently. So we got Skype. Now, of course, these days we would have used Zoom, something more modern. At the time, it was Skype. So every night, we would call and chat about our day and get to know one another and spend time with one another. Now, clearly, we didn't do activities together. We just weren't in that location together. But we spent time together, and we got to know each other. And you know what happened? Because of those four months spent communicating with each other that way, see, her plan at the end of summer was to go all the way to Calgary, but she got to Winnipeg and hasn't left since. (laughs) So those four months of getting to know each other, spending time uh, together, although it was online, were so important not just for our relationship, but for our future, clearly. So those same points are applicable to how we increase our enjoyment of Jesus Christ. We've got to get to know him, and we've got to spend time with him. So we've got to get to know him. Now, you can agree with this. The more you get to know a person, the more you like about them, Right? Or maybe the other way around. The more you you know a person, the less you like them. Could go either way. But no matter that example you're thinking of, you, you will get to experience them more. You'll get to understand them more. And you'll have a more clear understanding of who they are as you get to know them, right? That's kind of the definition, I guess. And the same thing is with God. The more we dig in and figure out who he is, the more we're going to know him. And think about God, because he is the perfect one. It's our admiration that is going to increase. We are going to admire him more and more because he is the creator, the almighty God, the perfect one who loves you. And the incredible thing is that he actually wants you to know him. He wants me to know him, and he's said it very clearly in Hosea 6, verse 6, where he says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want 
burnt offerings. He wants you to know him. And the primary way that God has chosen to reveal himself to you, to show you who he is, is through the scripture. Like the fruit of the spirit. We've probably read those a few times in our lives. And whenever I come across it, I always think about it uh, as something that I need to improve in my life. Like, which one of these fruits am I missing? Do I need to add on to my branches? Something like that. But the incredible thing is that we realize this is the definition of who God is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. This is the character of God in nine words. It, because God is perfect in love. He is joyful. He is peaceful. He's always patient. He's kind. He's good. He's faithful even when I am not. He's faithful when you are not. God is gentle. Who can appreciate that one today? God is gentle. And he's self-controlling. He always reacts to every situation in the perfect way. He's so big and he's so grand. He's the creator of the entire universe, which I cannot even wrap my mind around. He's the almighty one who can answer our prayers in exactly the perfect way that's beyond how I would even do it myself. The amazing God. An amazing God that we are allowed to be in friendship with. Yeah, I alluded to the fact that my father passed away when I was 13. And these days, sometimes there's um, well-meaning people that will say something like, I'm sure your dad is looking down on you from heaven with, with joy, or he's, he's just um, so happy with you, your wife, and your family, or what's going on with the church, something like that, right? And that doesn't really sit well with me. Because I think if my dad... Okay, I know my dad is in heaven. But he's not looking at me. He is so overwhelmed by the incredible glory of God that there's nothing in this universe that can break his attention because God is worthy of all glory. He is the one that is glorious. He's the almighty God. And if my dad is looking down on me, it probably means that our God is a bit smaller than we would care to think. But he's not. He's amazing. He's worthy of all praise, worship, because of his incredible glory. See, we increase our enjoyment, our delight in God by getting to know him more and more. But as we get to know him, we run a a bit of a risk of having a whole bunch of head knowledge, but no affection in our hearts. That leads us into our next point. Spend time with him. Any uh, history nerds in the room? I'll identify as one too. So, okay. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Well done. (laughs) Think of your favorite historical character. I'm sure you all have one, whether you identify as a history nerd or not. Think of your favorite historical character. Got that person in your head? 
Now, you probably know a lot about it, a lot of facts about that person. You probably uh, can tell maybe when they were born, maybe where they lived in their adult life, maybe even when they died, and a bunch of specific things about what they accomplished. Now, my historical person that I really love to read about and to know is Nate Saint. He lived uh, during the uh, 19, early 1900s. He actually died in 1956 as a missionary in Ecuador. He and four other men were reaching out to the indigenous people and were slaughtered at the end of the spear as they were reaching out with the love of God. 1956. But do I actually know him? I know a lot of information about him. I've read it in books. I've uh, seen a movie based on his life. But do I know him? I don't really have any affection for him because I've never experienced him. But here's the thing about God. He is not just a historical figure. He is living, he's active, he's real today. And he is near you, he is with you right now and in every moment of your life. See, you can participate with God anywhere, at any time. At the workplace, you can experience God there. At the hospital, in a crowd, you can be alone with God. In the wilderness, you can be worshiping with the entire host of heaven, even while there's no one else around you. You can worship God. You can be in the presence of God, even at your kitchen table. Even if there's five kids throwing food around, <laughs> tapping on the table with their forks. You know how it is. God's still with you. He's still there. Anytime, any place, because God is with you for real. Not just in, the Bible doesn't just say that. It's true. It's real. And the key for you and me is to choose to acknowledge that God is with me. The key for you is to acknowledge that God is with you in every moment. Now, of course, we want to set specific time aside to be in the presence, to pray, to read the Bible. But today, I want you to know that any moment God is with you, you just have to choose to acknowledge he is there. Maybe uh, you can put up some verses in your house. Maybe put a reminder on your phone Put some sticky notes on your work computer. You can get creative about how you can remind yourself to choose to acknowledge that God is with you. Get creative. You're all creative people. You could do it. Maybe it's using a few short words to remind yourself of who God is. Jesus, I love you too. Or, God, you are bigger than that situation. Or, God, you're better than that thing I was just daydreaming about. So we have to spend time with God. And as we do that, all that head information percolates down, sinks down into the affections of our heart. And then we can truly, truly enjoy our friendship with Jesus Christ. One closing story here from 1 Chronicles chapter 28. This is where King David 
a man after God's own heart, is nearing the end of his life. And he's looking forward to what's going to happen next, his plan for where Israel is going to go. And he calls all the Israelite leaders to hear what he has to say. So you can picture it in your mind. On one side, all the Israelite leaders. And on one side, he calls a very special person. He calls his son, Prince Solomon, who will be the next king. And he says two very different things to these people. On the one hand, he's speaking to his leaders. And he says, be very careful to obey and understand every command of God. Okay, that sounds like a servant relationship, right? Obey, commands, be careful to accomplish those things. Then he turns to his son, Solomon, and this is what he says in verse 9. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Acknowledging God's presence moment by moment adds up to experiencing who he really is and his perfect character. And that is when our head knowledge sinks down into our hearts. Because God is the almighty God. He's the one that loves you perfectly. And he has called you his friends. He's also said this promise to you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Please stand this morning. So I've been talking this whole time about a friend being a friend of Jesus. But I can't tell exactly where all of your hearts are this morning. I just ask you now, everyone, to close your eyes and bow your heads. Because Jesus does call you his friend. But he also has a gift of salvation for you. See, we all have sin in our lives. We've all done terrible things against God and his plan for us. And we've separated ourselves from God. But he's made a way for us to return into that right friendship, that right relationship with God. And it's through Jesus Christ because when he died on the cross, he took the consequences of all of our sin and laid it on the cross so that we, when we accept Jesus Christ's sacrifice and his resurrection, we are forgiven for our sins and we walk in new life. Maybe you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to accept that he wants you as his friend. And today, this choice is put out to you, specifically. You can say a short prayer with everyone here in just a moment, declaring Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your friend. Because this moment is for you. The scripture says, 
all those who confess with their mouth and believe in their hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved. That's it. So the question is today, are you ready to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? If you're saying, yes, this is my chance today, just raise your hand right now. No one is looking around. Thank you. Thank you. We're all going to say this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Jesus, my friend, thank you for your gift of salvation. I know I've done wrong things. And I need your help. I thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Where you've taken my sins. I thank you for your gift of new life. And I thank you that I can bear your name as a Christian. I declare you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, we can celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.